Hello, thanks again for joining us for the Crossroads Baptist Church Radio Broadcast Ministry. Today we are going to be looking in John chapter number 20 at a relatively familiar character and a relatively familiar story in the Word of God. Hopefully it will be a blessing to you and a help to you today. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your Word. Help us as we study it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas is a person that uh, most people have heard of, and usually it's with that moniker. Usually it is Doubting Thomas. Not just Thomas, not Faithful Thomas, not Thomas the Magnificent, but usually Doubting Thomas. Why is that? Well, John chapter number 20, uh, we have come through, and in John chapter 20, Christ has risen from the dead, and he reveals himself to Mary Magdalene, and then he comes and he reveals himself to the disciples, um, but Thomas is not present when he reveals himself to the disciples. Uh, we look at verse number 24 of John chapter 20. The Bible says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his, disciple, uh, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Now, of course, Thomas uh, would respond well to this. He would repent uh, and, and say, My Lord and my God, but... Uh, but what we need to notice here is Thomas as the, the doubter, doubting Thomas. What can we learn from this story in the Word of God? First of all, this is the ultimate you-should-have-been-there moment. Most of us in our life have moments where we regret not being present. Some people, it's very major things, you know, like if they if they messed up and they weren't able to be present for the birth of their child or or something like that, or or they messed up and missed a job interview, or or they messed up and missed out on a revival meeting or a church service that everybody said, hey, you should have been there. It was amazing. The Lord moved in a great way. The songs were just right. The preaching was just right. It was wonderful. You should have been there. The, a lot of people like myself, you know, people that hunt, they're, they're now with the trail cams and things. The trail cam is essentially a you-should-have-been-there alarm. You look at your trail cam and say, well, I didn't hunt that day, and here goes the monster buck in front of my stand. And so we all have these moments where, man, I should have been there. I would say this about tops the list, where Thomas should have been there. We don't know why he wasn't there. We don't know if it was malicious or if it was just an innocent mistake, but he was not there. And we can learn a couple of things from that. First of all, his absence caused him to miss out on a visit from the Lord. Matthew eighteen twenty, Christ speaking, he says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now Christ himself proved that there is a benefit to getting alone with God. He would often go alone to, to pray. But when it comes to seeing God work and enjoying the presence of God in a special way, Christ said two or three, not one. There is something special about fellowship that doesn't happen alone. It's good to have those alone times with God. We ought to have them. But the Lord places a special emphasis on being uh, with another, on being in a group, fellowshipping together and serving him. Look with me at Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse number 9. The Bible says here, two are better than one 
because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to lift to help him up. And again, if two lie together, then have, they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and threefold cord is not quickly broken. There's clear teachings in the Word of God that it's, it's better to fellowship together than to go it alone. If he, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, Bible says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Those who place little value on the gathering together with saints do not understand or do not agree with the importance that God places upon his people worshiping together. You cannot read the word of God and think that God is okay with you just being a Christian off by yourself, believing your own thing and doing your own thing. God wants his church, his bride, to be a body of Christ that works together, fitted together the way he has put us together. And we ought not go off and just be on our own and doing our own thing. We ought to love the fellowship of the brethren. Uh, and so we have Thomas here. He missed out on, opportunity, on an opportunity to see the Lord. He also, his absence gave him an opportunity to sin. The other disciples, they had the opportunity to see and handle the Lord. But since Thomas was not with them, his opportunity was to doubt the Lord and his fellow disciples. They had no reason or ability to doubt Christ's resurrection because they felt him and saw him in person. But because he wasn't there, he didn't have that testimony. He didn't have that experience. He had an opportunity to doubt the teachings of Christ about his resurrection. If you remember, the enemies of Christ knew that he said he would rise on the third day. That's why they set the watch. That's why they hired the guards to guard the tomb. And yet the disciples were caught off guard by it. And so here we have a lack of faith. And if you notice there in, in the Gospel of John chapter 20 where we read, the Bible says that it was eight days later that Christ revealed himself to them again and Thomas was with them. That's eight days, more than a week, that Thomas refused to believe his friends. For more than a week, he failed to remember or believe Christ's teachings concerning his death and resurrection. For more than a week, Thomas held on to his belief that the Lord was dead because he didn't get to see and feel his presence. There is this thing called faith. And it's something that comes by, by not by sight. <laughs> a lot of people today live their whole life just like those eight days. Whether it be somebody who's saved and is away from God or somebody who refuses to get saved and believe in God, you know, they, they have some knowledge of the Lord. Maybe they have some Christian friends and witnesses, but they neglect getting all in and believing and being faithful. They always seem to miss out on the presence of the Lord. So they live with that title of Christian, and yet they live with the doubt of Thomas. They're a Christian, perhaps, but they're a doubter. And part of that is because of the lack of, of dedication, that lack of getting all in. Those eight days for Thomas where he just refused to believe unless he was proven himself that this is God and God proved it to him himself. Most of you, if you're listening right now, if you've been listening for very long, you're not just flipping the dials on the radio and you happen to hear me, uh, you're probably, I would assume you're a Christian because you actually care about what a preacher is saying on the radio. And if that's the case, then, then you've probably met people who will not believe unless you, unless, what do they say? Prove to me that God exists and I'll believe. 
Well, I mean, we have creation. We have all the world around us. We have answered prayer. We have the working of God in the lives of others. We have the transformation of life that God brings to people. But, you know, people want God to write in the sky, I am God, so that they'll believe. That's just like Thomas. He says, I need a personal experience in order to believe. And and we all have the word of God. We all have the spirit of God that draws us. And uh, you do do need to make a personal decision to be saved if you're not. But... Faith is not something um, that I can give to you. Faith is not something that you can get from anybody else. Thomas had an opportunity to have faith, and he did not. He had an opportunity to have faith and trust in what Christ had taught and in what the others were telling him. And he said, nope, not going to have any faith. You have to let me see it. You have to let me handle it. Thomas has a track record. He's mentioned 12 times in Scripture. Three are just lists of disciples called. Five are here in John chapter 20. And then in John chapter 11... Uh, in the story of, of Lazarus, Christ is explaining to his disciples that Lazarus is asleep. And they say, oh, if he's sleeping, he's doing good. Uh, because, you know, they thought he was resting and he was going to get over his sickness by resting. He says, no, he's dead. Christ explains he's sleeping. I'm going to go wake him up. Then he says, actually, what I mean by he's sleeping is he's dead. So he's told him he's dead, but I'm going to go wake him up. And they, they try to talk him out of it because he just had his life they tried to kill him in Judea just a little while ago and so they're like why do you want to, why are we going to go back where they want to kill you and Thomas speaks up and and I'm just going to quote it from memory here because I don't have it in front of me uh, for time's sake Thomas speaks up and says hey let's all go and we'll just die with him <laughs> and so there's some clear dedication from Thomas that he's willing to go and die with Christ just to be with Christ but there's clearly no faith in what Christ said Christ didn't say let's all go die He said, I have to go wake him up. And Thomas says, well, let's just all go die with him. So again, there's a lack of faith there. In John chapter 14, excuse me, when Christ is saying, you know, in my father's house are many mansions. Uh, I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again. Uh, He tells them uh, the way you know. And Thomas says, we don't know the way. How can we know the way? And and again, it's it's just another instance of, Um, You know, there may not be anything negative in this. There may not be anything malicious in this. It's just Thomas, again, showing a lack of just faith and trust in what what the Lord was saying or doing. And so then after Christ's discourse with, with Thomas in John chapter 20, there's two more mentions of Thomas. The first is in John 21 and verse number one. And I'll go ahead and read this for you. In John 21, one, the Bible says here, After these things, Jesus shewed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, And on this wise shoot he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Now, the reason this is important is in John chapter 20, when Christ first revealed himself to his disciples as a resurrected Savior, He didn't just say, hey, how you doing? In John chapter 20 and verse number 21, Then said Jesus unto them, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Christ has already given them the Great Commission. Christ has already told them, I'm sending you out. And what did he tell Peter when he first first called him the ministry? I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And yet here the disciples say, well, let's go fish for fish. They're supposed to be out spreading the word about Christ. They're supposed to be out preaching the gospel. 
but instead they're fishing. And and there's nothing in here, you know, the Word of God doesn't straight up say they should never have went fishing. But when Christ speaks to Peter later that evening, he, he asks him, do you love me? And the answer is, Lord, you know, I love you. And, and, and Christ says, well, if you love me, feed my sheep. Go fishing for men. Do what I've asked you to do. So we have a doubting Thomas. We have a, we have a fishing Thomas. We have all these relatively negative uh, experiences with Thomas. Nothing, nothing grand standing out that he does right. But then we come to Acts chapter number 1. And in, of course in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 we have, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and all Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. One of those great, great commission verses that we have. And they get this commission, and the Bible says, And when he had spoken these things, verse 9, While they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they... Unto Jerusalem, from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas. Skip down to verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with all his brethren. And then shortly after this, we have Peter standing up. And we have the the new the vote for the new disciple. We have, and then we have the, and then we have the day of Pentecost. We have the Holy Spirit falling. So we finally have Thomas, not just in the right place and with the right people. You remember the first time we read about him in John chapter twenty, the doubting Thomas. He was gone, and that was a problem. Well, then in John 21, he's there, he was with them, but they're not doing the right thing, and that's the problem. Now in Acts chapter 1, finally, he's with the right people, fellowshipping with the brethren, and they're obeying the Lord. All of it together, working together. That's what we need in our life. We need to make sure we're not doubting God. We need to make sure we're not uh, neglecting the fellowship. We need to make sure we are uh, trusting in God. Christ defined uh, doubt for us in verse 27 he said be not faithless but believing it's not simply oh i i just had a little of my doubts it's a lack of faith it's a lack of faith and titus 1 2 tells us that our god cannot lie we ought to have our faith in our god don't be like doubting thomas be like the faithful thomas